This is where we talk about how we grow both a powerful brand and business and life as well, because everything's connected. Welcome to Brand and Biz Bills. I'm Debbie White. I've spent 30 years in the creative advertising industry, working with Fortune 500 brands, while also being a serial entrepreneur, building several multiple six and seven figure businesses along the way. I'm talking with other powerful women to share insider secrets and insights about building your brand and business. And I don't have time for BS and fluff. You don't either. So let's get to building a powerful brand and business with some real Frank talk. Follow me on Instagram at frankly Deb so we can connect further. Welcome. We are here today with a very special guest, Megan Huber. Megan is the creator of the rise to legendary mastermind. She is a business and leadership mentor for established entrepreneurs, former Academy director of a large coaching company where she helped launch, develop, and run multi-million dollar coaching programs, as well as a podcast host of built to last. Welcome Megan. It's so great to have you here. Hey, I'm excited to be here. I can't wait to dive in. I know. I have to also say, this is another reason why Megan is such a special guest. Megan is also my own coach in Rise to Legendary Mastermind. So it's really fun to be able to just have some real under the covers conversation. Is that weird to say? Oh, I was just thinking, oh, wow. What a visual, (laughs) Debbie. We're going to keep everything on. Don't worry. But you know, we got to talk, Megan and I were on a amazing Rice, a legendary mastermind retreat two weeks ago here in Mexico in Zihuatanejo, where I live. And I think about some of the highlights of the trip. And one of them was after dinner, you and I are still at the table. Everyone's left. Like I've got a glass of wine. I don't know what you were drinking, ice water or something with lemon, you know, probably. Um, and it was like, you know, it just started getting juicy. So Imagine that's literally where we all are right now. That's where we are. We're just having a side conversation. So um, this is something that I've heard you say, but I want to ask you, I love asking businesswomen this question. Um, I'm going to start here and then I have some deeper questions to ask, but why do you do what you do? Oh, we're going to start there. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to start there. Why do I do what I do? Yeah. That's such an interesting question. Yeah. I find that for me, it's very multifaceted. Mm -hmm. And I think I have to start with why did I even get into this in the first place? Yeah. And, you know, the honest answer is I left my high school teaching job when I became a mom. Right. So Brighton was born in September. That's the beginning of a school year. Obviously I didn't start the beginning of that school year. And like a lot of women, this is not something that I, we talk about out loud very often to each other. I struggled tremendously as a new mom. In fact, I struggled for probably the first three years and I was never diagnosed with postpartum depression, but I don't know how it couldn't have been anything other than that. Yep. And about three months in, I was going stir crazy and I was like, I'm an adult female. At the time I was 28 years old. I think I had bright when I was 28 
And I wasn't having conversations with adults. I mean, I wasn't talking to anybody. And I, I left a career where I wasn't just a teacher. I was a tennis coach. I was a football athletic trainer. I oversaw this enormous senior project that all the seniors had to do. I was involved with the community and mentors for the seniors, for at-risk kids. I mean, I was leading and heading up a lot of stuff. And I was probably working 70 to 80 hours a week. So when I was home, it was like, all that just went away. That leadership role, the role of being a creator, the role of being an innovator, the role of pioneering something that meant a lot to you. And not that being a mom didn't mean something to me. It was just one small part of me. And I knew I had to do something and I just, I didn't know what it was. My husband is actually the one who recommended like, Hey, why don't you go get a coaching certification? Because I think it would just kind of help you figure out like what you want to do next. Oh, awesome. And so I, I did, he actually did it with me. You told me that once before. Now I remember this whole part. Yeah. He did it with me. Cause he had, he had taken it before same instructor and it was pretty rigorous too. Yeah. And when I got to the end of that, I was like, whoa, this is so similar. I knew nothing about coaching this. I was like, this is so similar to what I did as a high school teacher mm-hmm. and as a coach, you know, I was a tennis coach to high school girls. Mm-hmm. And when I got the coaching certification, I was like, holy cow, like I've been doing that. I've, I've been doing that with my kids, with my students. And, you know, when, especially when you're working with high school kids, you are not just teaching, believe me, you are, you are leading them. You are mentoring them. I mean, what goes on in a high school aged human? It's a very interesting time. It's a very emotional time. You are mentoring them. You are coaching them and you best better befriending them. That's the thing you have to become a high school student's friend as their teacher, if you want to get their respect. And so when I went through the coaching certification, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is what I'm meant to be doing because it's going to allow me to incorporate all those things that I feel like I do really, really well together. And also when I was a teacher, I will say this, you know, when you go into a public or any classroom that's, you know, in education, yeah. You're literally feel like you just exist in a box. You you are looking at the same walls, the same fluorescent lights over your head. The floors are concrete. Obviously there's like tile, but you're like you're literally in this like white box all day every day. We had like these big those big old air conditioners that were so freaking loud. <laughs> I remember and I remember I loved what I did, but I just remember there were so many instances just in <laughs> in my head and I was like is this it? Mm. Like, is this what I'm going to do for 30 years? Cause my classroom was beside my mom's. So my yeah. mom was an educator for 34 years. And I was like, is this <laughs> what I'm like reduced to? <laughs> like, I'm going to, not that it's a bad thing to be a teacher. No, but what I not. did was what I do now with women entrepreneurs, that's my classroom. Yeah. And it, I just moved my classroom to a much bigger stage. And when I entered into the coaching industry, so now I'm like, So part of the why I'm like dancing around my answer here. Part of the why was originally because I wanted to be home with my daughter. I wanted to, I wanted to be available for my daughter. I get, I wanted my daughter to also see 
you don't have to have a job where you just work for someone for the rest of your life. So that was like number one. Yeah. Number two, I truly believe it still to this day that despite what anybody thinks about coaches or the coaching industry or whatever, there's a lot of conversation out there about that these days. Yeah. I have always believed from the beginning that coaches will be this century's version of teachers and how we viewed teachers, you know, teachers in the, what, like 19th and 20th centuries, like they were the ones who were literally guiding young people. Like they were the guides. We've always really looked to teachers and it's not to say that there's not a place for teachers with our young people, but in our adult world, teachers are going to play that role of transforming others and, and playing these roles of teacher, mentor, leader, and friend. It's just like, it's almost like this new way of teaching society, if you will, I think it's going to come from the coaching industry. We've got some things to clean up, Yeah, but that's where it's going to come from now. I love that. And I want to be a part of that. I love that. Okay. I'm going to switch gears for a minute. There's so many things I want to ask you. Um, I want to talk about honesty in social media marketing. So I saw that you just ran some very vulnerable and self-descriptive posts on what you're all about and what you're not. (laughs) And this is something that's come up when I'm talking with other business owners, some of my clients, even, do you think that there are lines we should draw in terms of how much we reveal or how much we don't, or, um, where do we know where to draw the line with what we share on social media? Yeah. You know, My answer. Okay. So I have an interesting answer. Yeah. I do think that it is somewhat based on like case by case basis. I don't think there's like a blanket statement for that. I don't either because I do believe (laughs) that we're all different Yeah, and we're all unique. Mm -hmm. We all know what our threshold is. We Mm -hmm. all know what our purpose is. We all know what our calling is. Mm -hmm. Now you've been around me enough to know at this point, which has been a little over a year. I tend to stay pretty neutral. I stay very neutral. That is very intentional. Mm -hmm. I would say that I'm a fairly neutral individual anyway. Mm -hmm. I'll give you like an example. So people like understand where I'm coming from. Yeah. Um, I was, when I was in high school, I was voted most popular my senior year. You know, they do all this. I was now hear me on this. Okay. I I had four close friends. Four. So when I got that superlative, I was very confused. And I remember sitting in my homeroom class because we had to go to homeroom for like five minutes every day. And I remember looking around and there were like boys and girls in the class. And I grew up in a small town. So you were basically in elementary, middle and high school with the same group of people for all 13 years. And I remember looking around and I was just like, and I knew everybody. And I was like, what, like, why, why did I get this? And they were all boys and girls. They were all telling me they voted for me. And I'm like, we're not even friends. Like, why did I get this? Now, it wasn't that I wasn't their friends. So when I say I had four close friends, I mean, those are the people that I would talk on the phone with, go spend the night at their house on the weekend. And we were like walking down the hall together. Like we were buds. But I was so accepting of everybody. Mm. So I was quote unquote friends with the drama. 
people, friends with the Gothic crowd, friends with the African-American crowd. Cause we had that at my school. I was friends with the Hispanic crowd. It was like pretty white where I was, but then mm-hmm. we had an African-American population and a Hispanic. I grew up in a very rural kind of North Carolina, Southern town. Yeah. But I was friends with all of them. I was friends with the athletes. I was right. a football athletic trainer. I was with those boys all every day till 7 30 PM at night. I was, you know, I was also an athlete. I was friends with the nerds because I was, I was ranked in the top 10 people of my class. I was academically gifted. I was in all honors. I could, I was friends with everybody. I just knew how I was friends with the partiers. I was the friends with the people who did drugs. Now I never did know. I never even went to a party in high school, except for maybe like one. You did it. No, I never drank in high school. I didn't drink till I got to college. So when I say I'm neutral. Yeah, I get that now. You know, it was not like I was talking about my religion or talking about my politics or talking about my very neutral, very neutral. So, so I share that because the way I come across on social media as a neutral, more of a neutral person, what that allows me to do is it allows me to attract all walks of life because everybody knows they're not going to be judged by me because I have no judgment on anybody on anything. Yes. And that's why I have a very diverse, I would say like diverse in terms of religion and politics and backgrounds and all these things, but it also works really well because I know how to facilitate that so that people are not like, you know, all up in arms with each other. So to your question, my personal preference is to speak from a place of wisdom. Mm. I like to speak from a place of wisdom, which means I'm speaking on the other side of the wound already closed up and already scarred. Like we don't have a flesh wound that's open and bleeding. Mm -hmm. We don't even have a scab that could easily be picked off and then blood's going to spew out. We don't have a wound. That's like, if you just like stretch, it's going to like break open, but it's already started to scar over scar over and it's not going to open up. I I do believe we have a little too much out there. It's my personal belief. I think there's a little too much of sharing from the open wound phase. There's not a lot of wisdom in that yet. There's not wisdom in that. And I I think that we're kind of shortchanging ourselves in the category of wisdom. Mm -hmm. And then we're just seeing people kind of fall into traps of like misinformation and we don't have the full picture yet. And I think there's, there's a need for a little bit more discernment in that category. Mm-hmm. I also believe that, again, this is my personal opinion and it's mm-hmm. how I approach things. Yeah. I also believe that based on who I'm here to serve mm-hmm. and who I've chosen to serve and the category in which I've chosen to serve, I believe there are certain things that I don't really need to share because it's not of value to them. Yeah. I agree. With and that. so I really take that into consideration. I think there is a little, we don't have to gauge it a little bit, a lot of bit, whatever. There's yeah. quite a bit of self-serving out there. Yes. That I don't think needs to be shared because how is that valuable to me? Can you give us an example of like what's self-serving out in marketing on social media that you think is like, what is that? Who, how is that serving someone? Cause I see a lot of that stuff too. I mean, some of it, I think comes across or is done in the name of celebrating Mm -hmm. and I'm all about celebrating, but 
you know, do I really need to see what kind of car you just purchased? Mm, yeah. Now I'm not bashing anybody. I mean, I have driven nice cars. Sean sure and I have had have. like 15, since we've known each other, I think we've had yeah. like 15 different cars. You guys are into cars though. We're really you know, into cars. I know we that about cars. you. Yeah. We, my dad's we, into cars. So I get it. I get the car thing, but I also get what you're saying. It's, but it's the way it's shared. Right. It's the approach. It's the way it's shared. And it's almost like, it's, it's kind of hard for me to describe, but it's like a feeling that I get internally. Yeah. And it's like the way that you're sharing that, how is that valuable for me? And I think it's shared in the name of celebration. And like, I came from rags and now I've got some riches or whatever. Yeah. And I think a lot of people will justify it by saying, well, I'm showing everybody what's possible. Yeah. That's I'm like, well, that's yeah. not what your post says. So just because you're showing it isn't going to make me believe that it's possible. You again, like that's where the wisdom has to come in. Yeah. That's what we're lacking. Oh, that's really good. That's really good. I love that. Cause I, I know I could go on a whole tear about, you know, and I've, I know you've heard me say stuff like this, but I, I am so new to this coaching world. I come from, you know, big brand corporate marketing and, you know, creative stuff and the idea of like flashing, it just makes me giggle, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. um, can I talk about that for a minute? I, I do want to say this. I know we're talking specifically, well, it's not specifically, but we see a lot of it with coaches mm -hmm. in the business coaching of all types of different coaches, you know, Megan and I are both coaches. Um, we have a lot of clients that do all kinds of things that are not coaches, but we see a lot of the stuff I have never, you know, I'm two years into this, not even two years, a year and a half, but I see so many strange things going on in the coaching industry and not to bash it, but I just, I, I've still scratched my head on what's up with the crowns? What's up with the, 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 the big, like, I don't know, what are these? Like, like we're going to, to, you know, the, the, the Oscar dresses and like, <laughs> I don't understand so I'm trying to understand it. It's so confusing to me because if someone were to come to me prior coaching world and say, Hey, Debbie, uh, you know, I used to have an ad agency. Hey, Debbie, can your agency help me with marketing? And I, if I were to see that, I'd be like, well, first of all, uh, get the big gown and crown off <laughs> your head and let's do something unique. Cause that doesn't even yeah. make sense, but yeah. I, I see this and I just kind of scratch my head and it's like, what, where, you know, why is this happening? Why is there so much of that? And it kind of is going to what you say of there isn't a lot of wisdom and I don't want to be like, you know, I, I want to go from a positive place. There's a lot of amazing coaches out there. Oh yeah. But it's, I'm looking at this as a marketer, like mm -hmm. what's up y'all. Why, why are y'all doing that? Well, here I'll tell you. So there's, there are a number of us in the industry now. I think once you've been in the industry, I mean, I've been in it for a decade Yeah, and I, you know, you probably don't have to be in it for a decade to figure this out, but when you've been in it for about a decade, you know who kind of like the head honchos are of the whole industry. And like I recognize this tier, isn't there? Yeah. Is there like a coaching sort tier? Of. And like, like, I mean, I don't know, Tony Robbins sit on the top chair yes. and then there's like layers. It's like a big layer cake. Like it I'm is kind of like that. And there's like people up there. So from a marketing perspective yeah. and 
I don't want to encourage you, Debbie, to go like infiltrate yourself with the coaching stuff. I really like the fact that you don't, you know, you're not like all in it because you're coming yeah. in naive to the coaching world, which is yeah. like the best thing ever. Yeah. But what you can do is once you start seeing someone's photos and branding and marketing message and their email formula and framework. Yeah. When you've been in the industry long enough, you can actually trace it back to who their coach is. That's what's happening. So to answer your question about why is like the big dress and like this stuff happening, it's because they're picking it up from, they go, they go join like the, an, some huge coach, right. Okay. That's probably making bukus of money or whatever. And they've been and they're all wearing big dresses and, and they are like, Oh, this is how I have to do it. And what's happened is a lot of coaches are just teaching what they they're teaching basically a remake of themselves. Right. And then everybody's going and copying it. And so in a way it's interesting. It's almost like, let's go back to how public education is run or education, our education system in general. It's yeah. like, sit in the desk, do as I say, don't think, and just go be this and go do this. And we, we kind of just like recreated it in the coaching industry, honestly. Well, it's like, for me, I just, I just see the templates out there of like, copy and paste, copy and paste. Here's a template. Here's the templates. Like, oh gosh, y'all stop with the templates. Stop right now. I mean, and listeners out there, please don't use those templates. It's like the worst thing you can do. Well, okay. Because so you here's sound like everyone else. I mean, they all sound the same. Well, here's what's interesting. I mean, gosh, this is such an interesting conversation because the, I think the part for me and I, you know, it'd be interesting to hear how you feel about this. For me, it's like, well, I don't coach that way and I don't teach that way, but yeah. dang, if it is not sellable, dang, uh, if it is not sellable. And so I think that's why some people get a little sucked into that world because you're seeing it and you're like, oh no, the people who are selling like this one right way to do it. And these templates and like, do it this way and like hit the easy button. They, they're the ones making all the money Oh, because that is, you know, psychologically, Human beings, like, I mean, I, I agree with this and disagree with this. You know, probably know more about psychology than I do, but it's like, everybody's looking for this comfortability and everybody's looking for this easy button. Oh, and, wow. you know, I know yeah. it's, I, I know it's like that in other industries. I mean, look at the weight loss industry. It's oh. like, just go take this pill and you're going to lose 30 pounds in 30 days. It's in every industry. And we really, I think us humans really believe that there is a secret easy button. Oh, this is such <sighs> a good conversation. Where but that stuff sells done. so well. And then you just get sucked into like, oh my gosh, I have to do that too. And that's where I think we're selling our souls away yeah. because I know I have fallen into that and out of it at different times and different seasons of my business. And it's like, oh, well, let's go try this. Like maybe I need to position myself that way or say it that way. But then internally, you actually feel like you're off your axis. Yeah. You just literally feel like, not like you're super wonky. You're literally trying to like, you know, squeeze your foot into Cinderella's shoe or something, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying you're in the gown, but like the whole thing. And then you think you're not going to be accepted if you just are the way you are. Right. And you come at it the way you want to come at it. That's what my post was about the other day. Oh yeah. Yesterday, I, I, I thought it was, it was, I thought it was powerful. Oh, it was really yeah. powerful. Um, my whole thing is honestly, I'm coaching women to be as authentic as they truly, truly are and be able to like own it and mm -hmm. clarify it. Like literally, if I had to cut to the chase of what is it all, but it's literally that mm -hmm. 
It's the complete opposite of a template. So to me, it just fascinates me. And you're right. I mean, I can see it, but this whole interesting coaching pyramid thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have a question just talking about this because, um, I've heard you mention this before and I love statistics and you have coached a lot of women throughout your career. You've coached a lot of women getting to six figures and beyond. Now you solely are coaching women that are well into the six figures, even seven figures. You've, mm-hmm. You're pivoting in that direction, which I agree is your total zone of genius. But I'm curious, having been in this industry for you know a decade, what do you think are the three most important things you need to do to get to those six figures, which here, I'm going to pull the stat. It's there's only 6% of all entrepreneurs, men and women that even get to six figures. Mm. Right. Yeah. So low. Yeah. So what, what do you think are the three key things you would say? Like, if you want to get to six figures, one, two, three, what have you seen in your, you've coached so many different women and a lot of women have done that. Yeah. So in the beginning, which I also teach this, you know, to people who are well, like super established and advanced, advanced, it's always keep it incredibly simple. Mm. Like keep it super simple. Mm. Now I'm going to share what I believe is I don't really love using the word fastest. Yeah. But when I say fastest for some people, that could be a few months for others. It could be a year for others. It could be years, plural. Okay. Mm -hmm. But it's this, it is, I actually wouldn't get so insanely bogged down with like this Uber specific niche. Although like we could, we could have a debate about that, but Mm -hmm. sometimes that is stifling to a brand new person to like niche too narrow. Mm-hmm. But I do see how it could be helpful because sometimes you just yeah. have to take what you can get and you sort of like figure it out as you yeah, go first, in the beginning, sure. right? Right, right. Like okay. in the beginning, cash is so important to a business, right? Like we have to talk about money in terms of the well being of a business. It lives and dies based on your cash flow. Bottom line, cash right. flow is not there. You are going out of business, you're filing for bankruptcy, right? Cash flow is king to a business. So you've got to look at what is going to get me momentum with cash flow so that I'm also like the other problem is if, if any of us, and we've all been here probably more than one time, if there's any financial instability in your life, the level of stress is through the roof. We've all been there. And it is so hard to run a business when you are under financial distress. Yeah. So you really want to be thinking, how can I accumulate my cash flow as quickly as possible while also managing that money exceptionally well and not Mm -hmm. going and raising your lifestyle because you've got to feed that money back into the business. So I want to say that that's not really one of my three yet. That's a really good point though. But it's so important with what I'm about to say. Your sole goal in that before, like to get to hundred K and I'm not even going to touch on the branding stuff that like, that's whole, your whole world. Yeah. I'm going to touch on like my part of the world. Yeah. It is know what your offer is, have like have an offer. And in the coaching world, 
I highly recommend, and really like any world, have an offer that like a service that's one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be something that's a little bit higher ticket. For instance, when I came back into my business in 2017, I offered a one-on-one coaching package for $6,000. For me to get to 60K, which was my first goal, and I wanted to get there in 90 days, I got there in 45. My wow. goal was $60,000 in 90 days that's because I needed that, right? Yeah. I did it in 40, like 42 days or something. Mm-hmm. And I got one of those clients was a $15,000 client. So I only needed eight clients. That's what I'm saying. So it's like, have an offer that's a higher price point, go out there and build. So two is go out there and build relationships with people. You should be talking to people all the time and then make offers, which is ask people to work with you. So those are really like the top three, have an offer at the right price point. That's one-on-one go build relationships with people, which means you have to talk to people that trumps anything else you could be doing online. And then number three, you have to ask people to do business with you because you've got to build the muscle of asking because not everybody's going to say yes to you. And if you're not asking, you're going to go weeks and months without making a sale. Now your cash flow goes down. Now you're in financial instability. Now you're in stress. And now it's like this vicious cycle. That's so good. And we could chew on that all afternoon because just asking for the sale, I I see this with women starting out in business is the hardest thing for them. And that's like a whole whole thing. Yeah. Uh, We won't go there, but you know, I just reviewed a whole bunch of my clients, um, Instagrams. They're like, why am I not getting sales and two different clients and, and they're doing a killer job on Instagram. They're doing the reels. They're doing the thing. And I'm looking, there's not even a call to action. I'm like you, you're just a, a, an entertainment show right now. Like people don't think entertaining. I'm going to buy from you. What by what you literally have to be so clear. This is for sale X, Y, Z this price, and then tell them what to do and how it's going to work. Like all the things it's yep. like, yeah, that's yeah. ask for the sale. Yep. Okay. I have another question. Cause you're specializing in women that are at multiple six figures going into seven figures. How does it change? What's the most important thing? A lot of people are trying to go like that seven figure mark is like the golden. And yeah. by the way, that's even more rarefied error. Yeah. Um, where's my stat on that sucker? Um, it's 2%. It's 2%. That's including men. Yeah. 2%. That's not even yeah. women. Let's yeah. Not extrapolate the women out there. Yeah. So oh. I'll tell you the top three things. Okay. They are the most unsexy, which is why I think a lot of people don't get there. Oh, I love unsexy. Um, It's the most unsexy. And I, I'm not even going to talk about mindset because that just like, yeah, it, it's just all encompassing. Right. Okay. So mindset, boom. It's like, there's your bonus one mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, it is leadership, Mm. leadership of self Mm. and leadership of clients, leadership of people, meaning your team, team is number two. Okay. My second one I want to touch on and leadership of your actual company. You're going from being the business to running the company. And that is a very different and very specific skill set. That's not the same as being the person who's just out selling and then, you know, delivering the service that is not running a business. Anybody listening? It's not, that's not running a business. There this are is so good. Part. Is what running you're the saying business. right now. So it's yes. that first leadership, all that's leadership. Number two, it is systems that's running a business. 
that's probably the absolute most unsexy. It's the yeah. systems behind the scenes that are duplicatable. Yep. And then three, oh, I said team was going to be two. Systems is two. And three is team because you're not going to be able to get up, up to the rare air by yourself. You have to have a team. I mean, look at Michael Jordan. He couldn't have won all those championships without four other people on the court. He couldn't have been Michael Jordan without Scottie Pippen. Right. And people forget about Scottie Pippen, who was 122nd, like highest paid person, but had like the second best stats in the NBA. And oh Michael Jordan has even said, I couldn't have been who I was without Scottie Pippen. That's team. So, that's so that's leadership cool. systems and team, that's what gets you there. And that's what you specialize in. Yeah. Like, this, this super fun, amazing retreat we had in Mexico. And we did talk about this stuff and, but we also, but you add something to that in the way that you, I'm going to throw your secret sauce on you. Cause this is what I do. There is a freedom and, a, and I love how this came up. You and I talked about this, the actual, how do I make seven figures, Megan? I want to get seven figures. That money conversation never came up the entire week. Not once. I think that would surprise people. Every woman in the room, it is a goal. We've written our goals out. All of us are hit, trying to hit that mark. Yet it didn't come up in the conversations the whole time mm -hmm. we were there. It's been a whole week mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is? I think that would surprise a lot of listeners. I mean, these women are in multiple, you know, to half million dollar a year businesses. They're rock stars. We're not sitting around talking about money. One of the biggest reasons is because at that level, you already know how to make money. You already know how to make money. And you figured out that making money is not actually hard. It's actually quite easy. And it's, it's not even like exhilarating. Like it's kind of like a boring activity. So you already know how to make money. There's all these other factors that are going to help you keep the money but also enjoy making the money. And if we're not enjoying making the money and we're not keeping the money or, or managing it properly, that's really where people get into hot water. So number one is you already know how to make money. The other reason was, um, the other reason very strategically is because of the timing of the year. It was our first retreat. It was January, 2022. Mm -hmm. And that set the tone for the rest of your year. Mm -hmm. That's why we talked about living your legacy that's why we were talking about so much around like personal goals and life and living and, and bonding and future casting. It's, oh, it was because of the time of the year. Now our second retreat, there may be more conversation about that because of the timing of the year, right? Because now you only have like six months left in the year. We do need to take a look at, you should be 50% of the way to your financial goal. And if we're not, we need to get in there and start looking at some things. So those are the two biggest reasons why we didn't talk about money. Plus, you know, part of that retreat also was not that I wanted people to like, oh, this is a retreat where everybody's going to become like best friends, mm -hmm. but you're about to be together for another year with each other. Right. You want to feel that way with the people who are going to be supporting you in your business and the people who are going to be supporting you when you're having the conversations about making money, it's going to be more effective if we did what we did at that first retreat. Very smart because we are very bonded. Yes. And it's just something about doing business. Even if it's your own business, you feel like you're doing it all day alone in your office, whether you have team or not of having that community is so vastly important, no matter where you are in your business. I believe that hands down. Yeah. Hands down. Um, okay. I have, I have two more questions for you. 
Um, one is when you look out, you probably see your ideal clients floating around out there. Like, oh, that is such an ideal client for me. Do you ever see them and just want to scream out? Cause I do this. I have to admit like, oh my God, you're making such a mistake. They're like, why are you doing that? Do you ever do that? Yeah. I what do, is the mistake? Can you tell us? <laughs> oh, I well, do this all the time. I'm like, Oh, what I was actually going to say was I feel that way about a lot of my peers. Yeah. I feel that way about a lot of my peers. And I have some peers that I'm like, I really just want to say like, do you want to join my mastermind program? Because I could actually help you with all of that. Like every single thing you're struggling with, mostly it's this Debbie, it's a shit show behind the scenes. And I hear them always complaining about the shit show behind the scenes with team and systems and hitting financial plateaus. And there's too much chaos and they're burned out, exhausted, tired. And they're not living the kind of life they want to live. Mm. And I'm like, that's all the stuff I fix. That is all the stuff you fix. It's that. Okay. Yeah. They need to, they need to listen to this podcast. Yeah. Go ask oh. them to join. I will. <laughs> Go ask them. Some good okay. Ones. Here's a question that, um, I kind of love this question. There's a, well, well, there's kind of two in here. Um, this came from, I'm not going to lie. This came from someone on my team and I just thought this is hilarious. Um, you're a successful business owner, right? I mean, a lot of women, believe it or not, Megan, they look up to you. They're like, oh my God, you're, you're interviewing Megan Huber. I'm like, I know, you know, it's like a big deal. Okay. This is what people are wanting to know. People look up to you. Is your laundry folded? And what does your kitchen sink look like? Oh my gosh. My (laughs) kitchen sink right now has got like five or six, like pots, like cooking pots and pans. Uh Uh-huh in it right now. Uh-huh. And usually by the end of the week, it looks like that. Uh-huh. My dishwasher's full, like bowls and plates and cups and like all silverware, all that. But it's uh-huh. like all the cooking stuff is just like all over the place in the sink okay. and like dirty. dirty. And Megan dirty, has yeah. dirty dishes, y'all. Yeah. You dirty know, like, dishes. <laughs> um, yeah. And my laundry, typically I only fold laundry on the weekends. Usually it's on Sunday and we do laundry almost every day. And then we go into the laundry room and just peel stuff out of the dryer in the morning and slough through it to find clothes for the gym. And then it doesn't actually get, so that's how we find our clothes every day for the gym, right? Like now the the clothes I have on now, it's from hanging in my closet, but like gym clothes, because that's how we start our day. Yeah. Every day it's all in the floor in the laundry room in a pile. Can you guys see it now? It's not what you thought, huh? Yeah. <laughs> they thought you had some ballet showing up with like, like, here it is. People just have these interesting ideas that you're not a real person. We're not, you know, like us having these businesses somehow we're different. It's so funny. To no. And, and I fold and my I own laundry goes, and I fold my own laundry and I put it away because yeah. I enjoy doing it. And the whole time I'm doing it, I'm thinking to myself, this is me showing love for my family. And a lot oh. of people would disagree with that because they're like, oh, you could pay somebody else to do this. But I don't do a whole lot of domestic stuff. Yeah. So the folding of the laundry is actually one of the things oh. that I love doing for my family. That's so sweet. Which is why I do it. That's so sweet. My husband yeah. and I kind of do it together. I was just folding my underwear right before this podcast because I had to get a COVID test because I'm flying tomorrow. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, we got to fold the underwear because I don't want the guy to like see my underwear on the thing. Yeah. But I just thought that was a really, that came from my team. I thought it was hilarious. Um, but Good like, on. these are the things people want to know. They're like, yeah. that just makes me feel so good to know that she's just a monkey. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> no different than anybody else over here. Exactly. And I can vouch. She's a real life person who has 
absolutely hilarious when you're hanging out with her too. Oh yeah. So this is so fun. I could chew on this stuff all day. Um, I know. Megan, thank you so much for being here with us today. You're so I'd welcome. Love, I'd love to have you back sometime. Oh yes. Let absolutely. Let's do it again. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. Everyone have a great rest of your day and we'll be back. Thanks for listening to Brandon Bisbills with your host, Debbie White. Visit franklydeb.com where you can connect with us and join our free Facebook community where all the brand action happens. And I love hanging out on Instagram. So follow me there at Frankly Deb. And join us next time for another episode of Brand and Bills. Let's get real on women growing powerful brands.